there, my friends. Welcome to Story You Talk Radio. I am your coach. I'm Coach Debbie, and I am delighted that you are here today. Thank you for joining me. I bring you a new topic every Thursday. We are live here in Seattle, Washington, and it is 4 p.m. in the afternoon. But you can listen to us wherever, wherever you are on Thursdays. On the East Coast, 7 p.m., it's getting a wee late there in the London area. But if you're up at midnight, check us out. If you miss us, why don't you tune in on Fridays? Eric offers a replay on Friday for you, and that's at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time. A new topic every single week, but we like to focus it around writing and storytelling, creating your books, creating your blogs, creating your brands, all things that support you being expressive somehow in the world. That's what I coach people to do. Really get into your authentic expression. And it, it doesn't have to be writing, although it often is. For some people, it's it's creating podcasts just like this one. I had a client, Michael, who I enjoyed working with so much. He created the podcast Voice for Chefs. You might have you might have caught the show. He was back here in May two thousand twenty three. Yeah. Just just a few months back there. And he talked about his show, Voice Number Four, Chefs, Voice for Chefs. And he has gone on to interview some of the biggest chefs in the world. He was serious about this. He wanted to express his voice. He wanted to help people that were in the kitchen to step out and express their own and have a conversation around food and what's going on in that kitchen and what's going on in culture. And he's been a crazy success. So that's just one way that you can express yourself. That might not be a book or a blog. There's all kinds of ways. Also, I want to let you know that I offer communities that you can join in. Some are free. I have a Facebook community that's called Story You with Coach Debbie. That's capital U. Anyone can join it. If you're on Facebook, you just say, can I join? And I click in. And as long as you behave yourself, you can stay. And that's where I give you all kinds of advice around coaching and writing and anything else you're up to. Sometimes I'll do a Facebook Live. Sometimes I'll tell you about programs but I'm always interested in your questions. Right here is another place where you can bring your questions. Like I said, the show's live on Thursdays. You can call in any Thursday. We're here, and we'd love to take your questions. The number is 1-888-298-5569. Now, as we get into today's show, there's something I really want to share with you, and that is, as a writing coach, sometimes I'm just a little bit guilty, and I forget 
that when you are newer to writing or you're doing your first book or you're, you're 10 blog posts into it and you're starting to get nervous, sometimes I forget that there's a lot of pressure on you to make it, to really be seen in the world in this self-expression that you have claimed. And I see writing as a natural thing to do. I see writing as something that gives me relief when I do it in the form of a journal. I see writing as something that offers me connection when I do it in the form of a blog post. I see writing as something that challenges me and excites me when I do it in the form of a manuscript or curriculum or even preparing a podcast. But I do forget sometimes that to others, writing is the scariest thing in the world. You know, they'd rather fall into the middle of the Pacific Ocean and have to swim to shore than write even a single blog post. I've heard people tell me incredible stories. Now, I don't necessarily convert people from that level of fear into being best-selling New York Times authors. However, I do use those conversations I've had with people, and they're usually not the people that are signing up for my programs, but I use those conversations to remind me of what you might want to listen to on shows like the one I'm bringing you today. So with that in mind, today's topic is be a Zen writer. Oh, be a Zen writer. What is Zen? Uh-huh. I'm really glad you asked. We can find it in a few traditions and languages, but I'm just going to go with Zen as being something that I know of best via Japanese Buddhism and the art of emphasizing the value of meditation and intuition. Now, if you if you head on over to the Chinese and the Sanskrit and other cultures and ideas, you will get a slightly, just a slightly different definition. But it was introduced to me by way of um, Japanese Buddhism, and that was some time ago. It was probably 20-some years ago. And it was introduced to me by the man that was my husband. I woke up this morning and I remembered that 20 years ago today, I married the man that was my husband. His name was John. He was a prolific writer. He was the most amazing poet I ever, ever had the experience to read, let alone to sit in his presence and let alone have a few poems written in my honor. That was nice. He was a dedicated poet. He had rituals. And one of the things that inspired him was Zen Buddhism. And while he denied that on any level he was a Zen Buddhist, he admired Japanese cultures and those 
that grew in which there is this meditative, intuitive, I want to call it connection and relationship with the self. So I learned a little bit about it through him. And I will still admit to only really knowing a little bit. But I can tell you as an observer of John, he was someone that took it, I I would say on the day-to-day, he took the mindset seriously. One of the things he tried very, very hard to do was to see things with very fresh eyes, to not judge people when he first met people, to not judge a situation when he was new to it. That's a very Zen approach to things, to have a fresh set of eyes when you come into the new. Now, there were certain areas in his life where he wasn't able to do that. I mean, none of us are perfect, but there were plenty of areas like going out in nature where he felt a certain zen, easy, peaceful, intuitive relationship. And he always saw the outdoors with these new, fresh eyes. He could describe it incredibly well in his poetry. And so many of his poems were about nature. I would tell you that there were many, many years when he focused on being a writer and he denied the quality of being a teacher. Now, I met him when I was in my 20s, and I'm 57 today, so I I probably met him and was friends with him for, you know, possibly 10 years before I, I dated him and married him. And one thing that was really, really important to me was when I first met him, it was at a tutoring lab. It was a college tutoring lab for people studying English, and many of these people were new to the United States. Now, how did John capture my attention from the beginning? It was his presence with students They'd walk in the door. He would just greet them again as if there was no past with the person. He would greet them like they were brand new and and fresh and to be honored. And he just had this way of welcoming people and letting them know whatever brought them here to the tutoring lab, we could make progress together. That was something I heard him say. We can make progress together in the next 30 minutes. Would you like to come over here and sit down and I'll take a look at your writing? And I was just amazed by his teaching abilities and his presence. And fast forward many years into our our relationship and into our marriage. One day I said to him, you know, John, you're your teaching skills have been used over and over again in in the lab. And you just have this Zen quality about you. You just have this way of being able to, in your private time, produce these poems. 
And in your career life, work with these students, you know, why is it that I'm the teacher in the family and you haven't gone into a classroom? How come? And he said, oh, no, no, no. (laughs) No, 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 no. That would kill my zen. You know, if you think I have zen, watch me lose it in a second. There's no way I could do what you do, Debbie. And I was like, that's crazy. You know, it's crazy. It's teaching is easy and you know it because you do it day in and day out, one-on-one in the tutoring office with your students. And he said, but I like it that way. You know, I like being one-on-one with students. I don't want to be in front of a large group of students. I don't, I, I think I would lose my zen very quickly doing that. Well, guess what? It took some time. And I think we almost had this, like, oh, I don't, I don't know, this unspeakable rule almost in our marriage that I would be the teacher and he would be the writer. Uh, because I had a, a certain fear around sharing the writing that was most important to me. Like if I was writing articles for school, oh, that's fine. If I was writing curriculum, sure, that's fine. But, you know, something like the content that uh, would be more personal or make me more vulnerable, forget about it. You know, all that went straight under my bed. Didn't share it with anyone. And he, conversely, didn't stand in front of groups of people and teach. But toward, toward the finale of our marriage, one of our gifts to each other, even though we made a decision not to stay married, and even though that was tearing both of us to bits, one of the things we really helped each other in was crafting that side that we were being quiet about. So I helped him craft the curriculum that he would bring into a college setting and teach because I recognized the only thing stopping him was fear. The only thing getting between him and his Zen life as a writer was his fear of standing in front of people. And he recognized the same thing in me. And that led to me publishing some of that stuff that had been under the bed for a really long time. We had an approach. I had a, a very relaxed relationship with my students in the classroom, more of a Zen relationship, more of an intuitive way of being. And he had that with writing. And that was a gift that we brought to each other. And so when I look back on, and many of you know that he, he passed away some, some years ago. Um, and I, I was with him those last 24 days that, of his life when he was in the hospital. Um, but that, that gift of, you know, where, where are you going to bring your strengths further in your life? We're so conditioned in American culture to push our way to whatever that success or whatever that strength is going to be. But what if, what if we actually meditated and intuited and relaxed our way 
into that next level of our success? What if we approached it that way? I can tell you at his celebration for life, there were students there that were so, so dedicated to him and so happy to know him. What if he never leaned into his Zen practice and offered that? You know, what if he hadn't brought to me that Zen mind and said, Debbie, you know, some of these articles you're writing, if you just told a little more story about this, now this is, you know, we're going back some years here. I wasn't sure if I was a storyteller. He's like, what if you brought just a little more story into that? You put that out in the world, that's going to feel good. So we didn't push our way. We zend our way into a success. And for him, you know, his legacy is his writing. And a few people know about his teaching. What's going to be yours? And can you buy into the idea that instead of pushing your way with brute force, can you have more of a Zen approach? I'm going to help you with this. So stick with me. We got to take a little break right here. But when we come back, we're going to talk a little more about the art of Zen and how you bring that into your self-expression. Stay tuned. You know Coach Debbie from Story You Talk Radio, but do you know about her annual membership? Well, now you do, and you're invited. Become the author of your dreams and upscale your career. Transform your home or grow your income. Create any future you desire. You'll learn the skills that allowed Coach Debbie to author her own life and transform her most difficult challenges as a writer, teacher, and especially as a person with low vision. The membership doors are open. Just Sign up for the newsletter and qualify for the early bird special. Simply go to CoachDebbie.com. That's Coach D-E-B-B-Y. CoachDebbie.com. As a subscriber, you could win a premium coaching session and begin the new year with confidence. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. I'm Coach Debbie. I hope and I pray and I bet that the things you hear here, the things you hear here, have in some way, shape, or form at one time or another inspired you. And if that's the truth, if I'm not just making that up, boy, I'd love for you to go over, check out your favorite platform where you might listen to the replays and podcasts And maybe just type in a little review. Those reviews can really help me out, and I would surely appreciate it. We are Story You Talk Radio with Coach Debbie. I also love it when you stop by my website, and that is CoachDebbie.com. It's spelled D-E-B-B-Y, CoachDebbie.com. I have a little offer going on. That's not on my website because 
I was thinking I was just only, only, only going to keep this by invitation only for women. So I am going to keep it for just the ladies. I know. I know. I typically have a lot of guys in my programs, but this time, just this one is going to be for the ladies. And this will be a membership community where if you're really working on your voice for your book or your blog, or even in authoring your life in a very important way to you, I want you to embrace how your soul and your spirit and your story all come together. And I'm going to show you exactly how that works. Like I said, I was thinking this was going to be just for invitation only. So I sent it out just to some people that I knew would benefit. And now that they've signed up and they're thinking it could be a little broader, I would like to open it up to the ladies listening. We do go through just a little qualifying screening process. It's it's short and it's sweet, but more than anything, I just want to make sure that you do have the time, which is about 30 minutes a day, to give to it, and that you do have the certain little desire or motivation inside of you to really give it your honest go. It's not because it's some sort of overwhelming, challenging program, but anything that goes on for nine months, as this one does, requires you to give it some priority. So just a little bit of qualifying information that we go through, and then you're all set to sign up. This membership is $1,500. It begins September 22nd, and it goes through June 2024. If you would like to connect with me and talk about that, just write to me. My email address is debbie at coachdebbie.com. And Debbie is spelled D-E-B-B-Y. Debbie at coachdebbie.com. Now, you may have heard that I lost my email, and that was agonizing. But here we are about three weeks out, and a lot of it has shown up. And I am just going to put my faith in Google. can't believe I said that. And hope that uh, you and I stay, stay connected, okay? Debbie at CoachDebbie.com, and Debbie ends with a Y. We're talking today about being a Zen writer. What is a Zen writer? What qualities make up a person who follows some sort of Zen tradition? Now, I, I am not professing to be someone that has gone into the communities and has delved deep in this. I This completely layman stuff here. But I was close to someone who, whose father, you know, um, my, my husband, his father traveled to Japan and he was very, very influenced by the Zen tradition. Again, He wasn't a monk himself. I mean, after all, he was married to me. And yet he picked up things that really helped him in more ways than one 
author his life with a lot of intention. We were married for a number of years, and when he passed away, we officially, uh, we were officially not married at that point. But right up until his death, I can tell you that some of the things that just helped us get things in order at the end, help that time be, you know, as as synchronistic as you can make it, I, I would say that some of that came out of his influence from the Zen tradition. Now, here's one thing that helps anyone who was a writer as John was, very prolific in poetry, or who's starting out as a writer, or if you're just really getting into how, how might you live your life from a more intuitive perspective? One thing that the Zen lifestyle really talks about is slowing down and becoming very deliberate. Now, I didn't really know that I was sort of doing this with my students when I would tell them that I wanted them to set their timer for 12 minutes and write. I wasn't really thinking I wanted to bring them into some intuitive, slow, deliberate Zen practice. But upon reflection, I will share with you that there are plenty of people in my community who are thriving that found their voice by doing exactly that. They slowed things down. They gave themselves 12 minutes whether it be the morning where they really heard and tapped into their voice or the evening, it's usually one or the other. Very, very few people have a structured midday practice, but if you do, keep doing it. But for many, many people, it was that early morning or before bed, they'd sit down, they'd set the timer for 12 minutes and go. And what you find sometimes when you take on this Zen idea of being slow and deliberate is that you very quickly leave behind the idea that you must be successful, that you must turn out some work in a particular amount of time, and that you must use brute force to do it. That's the beauty of slowing down and being deliberate with yourself. Writers often find that after 12 minutes of writing, they can go on. I will encourage them when they are a beginner to set the timer for another 12 minutes or to even set it for 30. Usually, early on, they're finding that they can write and they want to write for about 30 minutes. Another slow and deliberate thing and again, I wasn't doing this intentionally. I, I think this just just sort of happened because I was hanging out with someone that really was a, a Zen sort of writer. And that was, it's important to do it daily. Now, I, I preface this by saying, write daily. You don't have to write your project daily. That to me is far less important. 
but to be in a writing practice daily, to see your words in your journal or in your book draft or for your blog posts that you're going to save maybe for three, four days before you post it. Maybe you're going to work on it for a little bit of time and taking it slow and being deliberate with it and not making yourself post because it's Monday and somewhere, sometime in your life, somebody said you have to post on Monday. Who said that? I bet they weren't practicing Zen tradition because in the Zen tradition, There's nothing that says you have to push your way through. In fact, they practice the opposite. They get into what is slow. They are deliberate. When you do this, you find that something happens, and that is you catch a sense of devotion. Now, I didn't get the word devotion from the Zen literature, but I like that word. Do you like that word? I think you'll find it in your own writing practice that your devotion is imminent if you can daily sit down, set a timer, and write. If you don't want to write something that's going to be public, write in your journal. If you don't want to write in your journal and put down words, Sketch out some images. Do something that allows you to be writing and being with your creative nature. And that slowing down and deliberate energy is going to be what cultivates your craft as you continue. The writers that I have worked with, that have gotten out there, that have put their book out there, that have seen the results they wanted were not the ones forcing their way to a finish line. They were the ones that captured some sense of devoted, deliberate action. They slowed things down. Now, here's one that I've been practicing for a long time. Uh, Since he's not here to defend himself, I'm just going to say that When I was married, this is something John never had down, but that's okay. Maybe he didn't need it. He had other things working for him. But I needed this. I'm someone who needs a clear mind, and one of the best ways I can have a clear mind is to control my clutter. And I mean that in an environmental way, and I also mean it with my mind. I've been meditating for over 20 years, and if I didn't, I don't think I'd be able to do this show. I can't even imagine preparing things for you. I know who I would be. I'd be that girl that thinks, oh, gosh, I came up with seven things to talk about today. I have no idea how to pick it. I can remember being that girl in my 20s, full of ideas, full of energy, full of stuff. And if I couldn't make things happen in a way that looked good, well, then I'd just disappear. That is not the way of the Zen girl. Mm -mm. That is not how you calm your mind. For me, something that I found that is common in the Zen practice is to declutter your area and to do something 
that will help declutter your mind. For me, it's a lifesaver. When I was married to John, he didn't think it was important. And if you walked in our house, you'd see that that was so, especially in the kitchen, which was one of his domains. It was very, very hard to keep that place looking like it was ready for the next meal. It was constantly in a sense of disarray. Did that bother him? Never. Did it scare me out of the kitchen? Always. Different strokes for different folks, right? But what I found really interesting was years later to notice that the Zen teachers talk about the decluttering of your environment, let alone your mind. To his defense, I will say, he was very good at working on the decluttering of his mind through martial arts. But for me, I needed it in my environment. One more characteristic that I think is amazing in the Zen culture and tradition, and you can bring this to your writing, is knowing that your values will lead you to completing things. The Zen tradition has a great value on completing things. So one of the things they teach is starting small. Start with something in an easy way. I've been thinking about this a lot with the writing project that I started this year. Now, we are, we are at September 7th in the year 2023, if you're listening live. I really thought that my project on this day would be done, and it's not. It's not at all. But will I complete it? Yes, I will. Will I continue to be deliberate about it? I, ne- I need a little help there. I think I have fallen away from the deliberate. But I'm still very devoted to it, and I'm aware that I'm going slowly. So somehow this gives Coach Debbie a little relief that it's not done yet because I can blame it on the Zen guys that taught me to go slow and deliberate and be devoted, right? You can use that fancy logic too. But what I want to bring home to you here is If you're doing something that you value, know that there is a path to complete it. In the Zen tradition, this is something of great value to bring completeness to what you're doing. Now, this also begs the question on what is complete when you're writing a book? Maybe for you, the complete path and this has been true for some of my clients, was to get that thing on paper because by doing it, it would teach you something. For other people, they need to get it on paper and they need to put it out in the world. That to them is the measurement of complete. For others, they need to get it on paper. They need to put it out in the world and they need it to support their brand or their career. Now, you get to decide what is the measurement of completeness. But try, my dear friends, try not to make it so huge 
and so monumental that you have to leave some sort of Zen practice and retreat to your brute force to get it done. We're really looking at ways to be slower, to be more devoted, to clear the clutter of your mind, of your environment, and to choose something you really value so that you can see it through the full process. These are just some ways of becoming a Zen writer. So I've got a few examples from clients in my uh, community that I want to share with you. First, we need to take this break. And just a reminder that if you would like to write to me, you can do so at my email, debbie at coachdebbie.com. And that's D-E-B-B-Y. We're going to take a quick break right here, and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. You know Coach Debbie from Story You Talk Radio, but do you know about her annual membership? Well, now you do, and you're invited. Become the author of your dreams and upscale your career. Transform your home or grow your income. Create any future you desire. You'll learn the skills that allowed Coach Debbie to author her own life and transform her most difficult challenges as a writer, teacher, and especially as a person with low vision. The membership doors are open. Just sign up for the newsletter and qualify for the early bird special. Simply go to CoachDebbie.com. That's Coach D-E-B-B-Y. CoachDebbie.com. As a subscriber, you could win a premium coaching session and begin the new year with confidence. Welcome back to Story U Talk Radio. I'm your host, Coach Debbie, and it is always a delight to spend this time with you. I want to really let you know that writing a book, while it might sound like the biggest thing you could ever take on in your whole life, writing a book is a process that will often teach you more about yourself than you could possibly know when you set out to write it. You'll learn about your habits. You'll learn about your values. You'll learn more about what you really want to say in the world and what is actually private to you. There's a lot of discovery in who you are along the way when you write a book. But I am not a believer that the best books happen by way of brute force. I did a show some years back about giving up your brute force. And I like to think that any of us could take on some of the habits of the Zen tradition and just see how it might bring us into a writing practice that would really, really suit our mind and our emotional stability. I was told by my friend Dawn that there is a book called Zen and the Art of Archery. It's a small book, and it's not one that I've read before, but there is this principle in it of purposelessness, 
purposelessness. Now you might think, oh, you mean being completely random? No, no, not that at all. More so, it is the result of someone that has been very deliberate and devoted in the art of archery. These are the ones that have been so trained that they can now be blindfolded and anticipate that they might hit the bullseye. Now, maybe they don't do it every time, but it is in the letting go that they must, that they can. Think about that. The must, that big thing. When you feel like you must achieve something in a particular timeline, in a particular way, and that it must happen, on the one hand, you may be following a deep desire within. On the other hand, you might be setting yourself up to do life from a place of real brute force. So let's think about something. Maybe instead of being in the school of archery, you are in the school of motherhood. And so you have a tenant that you live by, which is that you must be responsible to your children, you know, especially while they are children. Not a bad tenant to live by. But you might be going too far. If you think you and only you must ensure in every situation that your child is always safe, that might be hard. That might be really hard, especially if your child goes to school or if your child visits other people for the weekend or if your child is ever, ever in their lifetime out of your sight. It would be very, very hard to devote yourself to knowing that you must ensure their safety, but that you are responsible for them a little different. And I think that's how purposeless comes into it, is knowing that you can use your talents and your values to excel in an area to be responsible, in this case, for your children, or to become someone who is masterful at archery. But it is not, it is not essential that every single time you hit the bullseye. And if you can train yourself to hit the bullseye, you can also train yourself to take away your greatest sense, like your sight. And you just might continue to hit it again and again. Maybe not every time, but often the pressure that you must has been shaken up and you can do it. Think about this too. When you are in a position of great pressure, what kind of relationship are you having with your life? Are you someone that you would say is really experiencing your own intuition? Or are you someone who is adhering 
possibly deeply to the values of others or where you feel you must answer to. I know from myself, it took a lot of courage, a lot of courage to get into mindfulness meditation. Uh, my teacher was John Kabat-Zinn. You may have heard of him, the book, Wherever You Are, Wherever You Go. <laughs> I knew I would botch it. Do you know I've only looked at this book about 4,000 times? Um, there you are, wherever you go, wherever you go, there you are, here you are, and there you go. Oh, geez. Anyway, it's a great book. And he talks about this meditation practice called the mountain, where you sit or you walk with your spine as straight as you can get it. And from there, you start to cultivate a strength that you are as strong as a mountain. And this means you have to start to honor your words. This was a big initiation for me into really knowing that my words count. I get to decide what I'm going to say out loud. I get to decide what I'm going to keep to myself. To me, these are attributes of being a Zen writer. You get to decide. You don't have to follow just simply what you've been taught because you were taught. You get to decide and you get to follow it from your heart and from your consciousness and from your intuition, right? It doesn't have to be based in someone else's value. That can be part of the real trick in learning to be a Zen writer. Now, I want to bring forward a couple of examples that ended up being really, really promising. One was from my client, Daniel, some years back, who wrote to me and told me one day, I've been fired. Now, Daniel was a tech writer, and he was working with me on a book that had nothing to do with his career. But at the time, his thinking was, I write as a living. And now that I've been fired for writing, there's no way I can finish my book. I am done as a writer. Au contraire. Au contraire. Dear Daniel had to sort of sit in that mess for a little bit. But we talked about the fact that he wasn't necessarily fired for his writing ability. He may have been fired for something he wrote and said and publicly went out. He may have been fired for not following the values of the company in some way. But the universe was not firing him as a writer, an author. And when he could finally hear that, he went on to put together stories for his sons that went through and chronicled some of his experience in youth that he wanted his sons to know just in case his sons got to that age and for whatever reason, he wasn't around to tell them about these really, really impactful times in his life. I mean, these were beautiful stories. They were not published for the public. 
but they were put together in a a staple-bound binded book that he was able to give to his sons. And to the best of my knowledge, he and his sons are thriving in the world, and they should be about now in their own coming of age. So I, I just think that when we feel like we've been like eliminated in some way, eliminated from a job, we can take it too deeply and think it means, in Daniel's case, he took it to mean, I can't write. But that's not the truth. A more Zen approach to this would be to look at how can you emotionally support yourself while you are out of work and while in conflict because you know you want to write these journals for your sons. How are you going to slow down? How might you be deliberate? How might you cultivate once again your devotion to your writing? Remember, if a boss fires you, it wasn't the universe that fired you. There are plenty of people that would love to hear and to know you. And you can do that through your book, through your blog, through your writing. Now let's talk about Catherine, a more recent client of mine. When she wrote to me and told me that her mother had just moved into her home and that her mother was in the late stages of life, one thing she said was, I haven't written a word since. And then, as we got deeper into the conversation, the thing she brought forward was, I can't. My mother lives here, and my mother has always been the most critical judge of me. Oh, okay. Now, in Zen tradition, they might get excited about this and say that you are on the verge of a great learning curve. In Catherine's situation, we really had to take a look at the fact that her mother, who had always been critical, who was now in the later stage of life, her mother could be a mirror for Catherine, where Catherine would start to find her own voice against the the judgment. Because really, 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 when you can treat others as the voice in your head and the voice you will speak back to, you find that it was always more in your head than it was with the others. Now, here, here's where it gets tricky. In Catherine's situation, and probably in yours as well, if you relate to this story, there was a real, live, critical person standing in front of her. In her situation, her mom. But this is what I... This is what I believe to be true. I don't have any way to chronicle it, but I can just tell you in my own experience being bullied as a young girl, there were days when I'd go to school and I might hear five comments that really stung, right? Or that really scared me. But the fact that my mind couldn't release them made the comments go on replay. So we start to be 
the negative judge. I mean, it started with someone else, right? But we become the one who, unfortunately, is willing and is stuck playing that criticism over and over and over again. And this is not the peaceful way of the Zen writer. The peaceful way is to come back to being devoted to yourself, to slowing things down so you can take a look at what's really going on here. If you've moved someone into your home that's critical of you, doesn't mean your writing days are over. It means you've elevated yourself to a learning experience where you're going to get to say, hey, to that critical person in front of you, that's not helping me become a writer. And I'd really, really appreciate your support, or I'd really appreciate you be quiet. You get to say what's true for you so you can continue. You might find you have to take your writing outside of the home, but if you're committed to your intuition, to what needs to be said, to what needs to be acted upon, you are adopting the way of a Zen writer. And this is what I want for all of you, my friends. It doesn't have to be that you produce your book with no support. It doesn't have to be that you produce your book with brute force and lots of anxiety. I'm not saying you want to have little twinges, but I am saying that your intuitive mind knows that you have a book in you and knows that you have reason for wanting to bring it forward. So work with it in a devoted, slow, and deliberate manner. Again, if you would like to go forward with an idea such as the one I've shared here today, and you are a woman, I have a program just for you. I'd love to talk to you about it more. You'll be hearing about it more right here. You can always ask me a question by writing to Debbie at CoachDebbie.com. That's D-E-B-B-Y, Debbie at CoachDebbie.com. I love spending this time with you. I'll be seeing you next week with my guest, Clayton Olson, the love coach. Until next week, namaste. Namaste.